Hello, everybody. David Donaldson here with my friend, my partner, my mentor, Joe Martin, for another episode of Entrepreneurial Impact. Today, we're going to get into a real passionate topic, and we're going to talk about storytelling. Storytelling has a place for growth. Storytelling has a place for retention. Storytelling has a place for profitability in, in all businesses. And we were lucky a couple of, I guess a couple of months ago now, we had Kendra Hall come in mm -hmm. and talk. And she wrote a book, Stories That Stick. And we presented that to, to the associates and uh, our business partners throughout the region. And I like that we're kind of taking a look back into that because I think a lot of times people go to an event and they get moved and they get motivated and they take notes and they don't take action. It's hard sometimes. You come back, you get back on the ground, you do what you got to do. So what we're, we're, we're now is pouring back into our region is taking that topic and talking around in more bite-sized, movable pieces to present how to storytell. Because I think there's a disconnect for people when they realize, yeah, I talk, I tell, I ask questions, I listen, but do you know how? So storytelling, like how do, how do we pitch that? How do you present that? I think there's some interesting pieces around like logic and emotion that has to start off with this. I think there's a baseline of education that people have to understand that logically a lot of stuff makes sense. But there's actually two pieces of your brain that process that information. So there's actually part of your brain that processes emotions and feelings and decision making. There's another part of your brain that actually processes data and logic and, and like information, right? They're actually two different separate ones. And humanistically, um, the evolution of humans is that there's so much data out there. There's so much information. There's so many things you could research and blah, blah, blah. Right. And over our evolution, there's actually been a part of the brain that says, like, there's so much information, it becomes overwhelming, and we can't make a decision. You know, you hear this, you know, quote, unquote, analysis paralysis. Like, it's a real thing, like, psychologically, or not psychologically, physiologically, through evolution, like, our bodies have actually figured out ways that, like, if we get too much information, we can't make a decision. So what you hear this a lot, like, I feel good about it when I make a decision or my gut – or I went with my gut. Like, you hear these things because the part of your brain that makes decisions is actually the emotion emo, – is driven by emotions and feelings. So when uh, – there's never a person – there might be a few, so let's not say never, <laughs> but there are – very few people that ever say, you know what, this doesn't feel good, but I'm going to make the decision anyway. Now, that might be because it's a hard decision like, you know, yeah. firing somebody or something like that. But for the most part, we make decisions based on it feeling good or my gut told me to do it. That's that's actually because the part of your brain that's doing decision making is, is driven by emotions. Um, and then there's another part of your brain that processes logic. But because we have so many like outside stimuli coming at us our brains are shutting down certain information and it defaults to how do I feel about it? What's the memory recall on it? How do I associate the word choice of everything? And like we're act there's actually way more um, indirect information and indirect influence that's happening and making our decisions than we ever actually realize. And that's actually allows us to make decisions faster, but it also leads, also leads to us sometimes making imperfect decisions because we're not actually fully able to grasp all the information or be able to pull out our emotions around a decision. There's a balance there for sure. Right? If you're talking emotion, you're talking logic, and you can even throw impulse in there to a degree, right? Because I think that there's a, there's some nuance in that. And when you look at people that are trying to be logic based, right? That leads to me personally when I look at it, like, hey, I got to make a logical decision here. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of times, which if you're saying that, is like you're you're unde you're undecided. Yeah. You're looking for a reason, and that reason is emotion. 
Yeah, you you have it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you that like if someone says I need more data, I need more time, it's because their feeling about the decision hasn't come full circle. Like they're still like their their gut emotion feeling isn't actually con- committed to that thing. So yeah. they're like, ah, I got to wait on something because it doesn't feel right. It, it, it could be a scarcity, a lack of understanding, right? A connection, right? Mm-hmm. So what does any of that or all that have to do with storytelling? All right. So I think this one's actually really cool about how that plays in the storytelling is you just went and talked about, hey, someone needs more time. They need more time, you know, whatever to you know, process. Right. It's because they, they don't feel good about it. The part of their brain that makes decisions, it's like mm, something's off, right? And what ends up happening a lot of times is that like we need more data, right? We, lo- we lean to logic when actually we're not addressing the emotional alignment or the feeling around the, the, the situation. And this is what happens, right? We actually had a live discussion about this on one of our business calls where we're leading a discussion around um, storytelling. And the thing that most people lead towards if they're not good at storytelling and emotions and, and bringing people from one place to another through a story is that they lean on logic. And they say, well, the reason you should buy this is because this is a top of the line cell phone or this is the best water you could have or this is the most cost effective cup. Right. right. And then all of a sudden I make that statement and you you believe differently about this. Like this is actually a lot of discussion between the two of us around Android and iPhone, right? <laughs> Here we go with the Android. <laughs> Here we go. So if I make the statement that, oh, iPhone is better because of XYZ thing that I value personally, if you don't value that, you're gonna be like, nah, Joe, you're wrong. I don't care about that. That's actually an inferior product. I like Android for XYZ reason. Yeah. So when you get into logic and commodity and trinket comparison, there's always going to be something that's a little bit better here, worse here, whatever. So people can't align on it because you're talking about a, a, a like a, a trinket, a, a widget, when in actuality, you have to get people buy-in on a higher level, which has to do with their feelings around it or their values or something higher than just like, you know, the color of the phone. You know, there's a whole nother level to that. And it's funny because I, I think as as creatures of habit or just people, like we don't realize it a lot of times, but we are storytellers by nature. Like we want to share, we want to tell we, when when the moment moves us. But there's a lot of times when we don't know how to invoke passion around something business related, right? Or why you should be doing something, buying this widget, right? Buying yeah. this cell phone. But then evoking emotion and storytelling into something that matters versus just I've connected because we're passionate about a football team or a baseball team. But now I'm sharing more. So there, one, it's a comfort level in mastering what you're trying to express, right? And I think that's where you say the default of saying there's, I base this decision on value or price or why, yep. right? That's why I think when we kind of – the conversations we were having on the business level is like, who are you? Why does it matter to you? How does it affect you? Right? I I, I bring this back. There was, there was a period of time uh, 10 years ago, it seems like now, I don't know, where I was recruited, right? This is, we're in an industry where people are trying to get people to change business or mm-hmm. organizational relationships all the time. And I went through the process. The money was there. They were throwing money. It was attractive, right? The location was attractive. But at the end of the day, and I really broke it down. And there, it was logis- logistically based, checking the pros and the cons, right? Yeah. But when emotion came in, at the end of the day, the ultimate thing that made my decision to stay where I was at versus changing over money and flexibility was I couldn't see myself in that brand's organization mm-hmm. trying to recruit people to that brand in something that I could not get behind. Yeah. So if you actually think about it, 
selling, attracting, influencing has to do with alignment of values. It's actually what is happening. And if you don't align the values, it doesn't matter anything about the widgets behind it, right? So I think what's interesting about like sales, if you look at, let's define sales very simplistically, is that the sale of something is this, is that I have a product or service that I deliver to you as the consumer and you reward me with some type of currency, right? Pick your currency, right? But what's happening is there's a gap for your life as the consumer that you see this product or service that I'm providing as making your life better, easier, whatever. There's a, there's a gap in your life and this product or service is actually going to fill that gap, right? And then in turn, you give me money and then the whole thing works through itself. So when you think about storytelling, the real thing around storytelling and the questions you ask and the stories you tell and all that is that you're actually closing the gap between the consumer and the, the vendor. That's what I'm doing, right? So when you think about storytelling, I've got to align my values of whatever my product or service offering is around you as the consumer. So if I can't figure out a way that provides my value through something that you align with, you're never going to see the true value of my product or service because it's always going to come down to widget or trinket or commodity. And then in that case, we're going to get into a cost comparison on that. So really what you're trying to do with written storytelling is create, is to close the gap between the consumer and the vendor and align on a value thing that the consumer sees as valuable in their life and it makes them feel good about their decision, right? That's actually what's happening with, with storytelling. So you're closing the gap. So there's three ways to close a gap with any type of consumer, right? First, you have to attract them. So you have to catch their attention. Yeah. Why is this interesting? This is why if I just come on a sales call and I say, oh, well, Dave, uh, well, the reason I'm calling Dave is I want to sell you an iPhone. Blah, 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 and literally, I didn't ask you anything. I did not catch your attention outside of the fact that why is this guy calling me? And I was on the do not call list. I'm more pissed off than anything else. <laughs> you call at six o'clock in the afternoon, you know, at evening when I'm having dinner. So like number one is attention, right? If you're trying to make a sale, you have to grab the attention of your audience. So what is the audience? Who's your avatar? What's their, what are they like? What's their income levels? What's their you know, home dynamics? Like you need to know what's going to grab the attention of this person, because if your value is X and that you know, your audience you're calling is Y, like you're not going to get alignment on the value. So they're not going to listen to you. So number one's attention. Number two is influence that there has to be some level of connection and influences to, okay, how does this person help me? Right. And then the third is transformation that once you have the consumer, you then have to transform the relationship into something that they value well more than just an exchange of product services for money. So those are the three things that storytelling can do, because what happens with storytelling is that it connects the, the listener and the teller on a on a value level. It actually brings people closer because when you can tell a story that aligns with your consumer base, because we're all emotional beings and we have memories and we have experiences, there's a lot of commonality within the experiences and the feelings. So when you can identify, how do I grab Dave's attention? How do I cause influence in that? Well, Dave has to trust me to have influence. Well, when you have a commonality with me, 
right? Like, so for instance, for what it's worth, I mean, I wouldn't trust anybody from Philadelphia, but if we were both Eagles fans, you would inevitably have, if you knew that about my rapport building with you inside of the sales call, there's going to be an alignment of like, oh yeah, I was in Philly and yeah, I lived there for 10 years. You lived there for how long growing up? And like, like we went to this sub shop or hoagie shop or whatever the heck you guys call it up there, right? And that the fact that <laughs> like, oh, uh, whatever they're called, right? And, right on <laughs> and, and you know, hey, man, I'm sorry, dude. Like, I, I think Sheets is better than Wawa. Oh, but like, goodness, but like, but like, right? But all those little nuances creates a bond between the two of us because there's commonalities. There's a commonality around value, and we might diss each other on sheets or, or Wawa, but there's actually a, a com- there's a camaraderie that forms from that. Bring up something incredibly important that I find myself when I'm talking to associates, especially the newer associates that are new to the industry. They're scared from having not done things before. And having measurables and talking number of units and transactions closed and things like that. And what I'm always bringing them back to, and I tell them when they're when they're building their online presence or their social media presence or, or their storytelling presence, I'm like, look, forget about transactional count. What you're looking for is that relationship, the reason for them to talk to you. And that's what you're touching on here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what are your passions? What moves you, right? Can you get in an argument over Hub versus Sogi or sh- Sheets versus Wawa, or where did you go to school, or where did you work, yeah. or what what are you involved with that moves you? Because they're looking for a reason to like you, mm-hmm. right? There's a time and a place for success, for achievement and recognition, but don't be paralyzed by fear and indecision that you haven't what you haven't done yet. Be yourself, and that's when you look at authenticity and relatability people do business with people they know like and trust now you're doing a cold call they might not know you so how do you form trust and likability that's what you got to do yeah right um and then over time they'll get to know you and the thing remember is that you still have to fill that gap and what you're trying to do is in business you've got growth meaning new sales You've got retention of your current sales, so you get repeat business. And then you want profitability, which means you got to maintain the financials, which is operations, right? So if you know that I need growth, I need retention of business, and I need financial profitability, storytelling can do all that because your story can bring in new, if you got a compelling, authentic, impactful story, it can bring in new business, and it retains the old business because they're not aligned with you based on the service or product. Because another service and product, there's always going to be something cheaper. There's probably always going to be something better. But when they align with the value of what that service or product like represents, you got a client for life. You mentioned a really important word there when you talked about authenticity. Now, here's the thing. you know, Where we are in the world today and who we are has radically changed from the madmen of the 50s and 60s, right, into the 70s of, if you think of Glengarry, Glen Ross, and coffees for closers and the ABCs of selling, right? People would say things to try to evoke emotion, but the authenticity was misplaced and misguided and misdirected, right? We've grown savvy enough to that. We want to be told a story, but we want to believe the story. So I think a lot of times there's some we're callous to some of the things that we're told because of how we were sold in the past, right? So the mediums that we have today, and the phone is incredibly important, and asking the right questions and how you say and what you say and when you say it, and also being on video and storytelling through reels, 
people are scared to death of that. But here's what I always say is this, is if you are yourself, it'll come across the way that it was meant to come across. Mm -hmm. And that connection without editing, like if, look at our podcast per se. We've been doing 70 episodes now, congratulations, right? I think what we've done as we've evolved is that we have story told and we've asked questions and we don't edit this thing, right? We edit the front, we edit the intro and the back, but the, the moments that in between when we're having the conversations, whether it's us or somebody else, is pretty much well enough left alone so people can realize that we're just having a conversation and the authenticity is not manufactured. Yeah, I think, you know, when you're not authentic, it takes a lot more energy to fake something, right? Um, and I go back to, okay, so we've been talking about storytelling and the fact that you've got to close the gap to get the sale done. Mm -hmm. You got to do that through attraction, influence, and then transformation, right? Because the transformation piece, like, let's really focus more on, like, the attraction and influence because the transformation happens when you you convert the consumer because they, they align with your values and services and all that kind of stuff. And they pay the money and, and then eventually you deliver on your value proposition. They're like, wow, I'm so glad I'm in partnership with this person because my life got substantially better, whether it's profit margin, whether it's efficiency, whether it's representation of whatever. The thing that I think back to is this example that we gave in our business units when we reviewed like how do we get our leaders to tell better stories and to get them to understand that like telling somebody something isn't the same as if you tell a story that aligns similarly to what the situation and ties into values that the person aligns with, right? And what I what I believe is the most impactful is that when you do a story, it engages the person. You're not telling them because nobody really likes to be told what to do, but you're engaging them and they can actually say, yes, I'm along for the journey or no, I'm not, but I can be a passive listener. So you're actually not forcing somebody into something, right? So think about this. Like you were the one who brought up the um, the extra gum commercial, right? So let's, you know, those of you listening, uh, there's this extra, you can go on YouTube and type like extra gum. Extra I don't, gum, uh, the, the journey of uh, Juan and Sarah. There you go. So there you go. For those of you like a 20, uh, a two minute rom-com, it's a two minute rom-com, <laughs> but like go and watch it. Joe was crying, so make sure you have your tissues ready. Yeah, yeah. My, it's my, emotional. My grandfather's handkerchief got pulled out. Um, <laughs> but what I think is interesting is, like, I'll play this one out, right? And actually, on, on our on our leader call, when we did this, was actually fascinating. It couldn't have been any better. Was that there's one way to say it's extra chewing gum. I said, on the call, I go, all right, so let me let me sell you on extra chewing gum. Audience, the reason you should use extra chewing gum is that Based on statistical analysis, extras flavor lasts 50% more than any other gum in the market. Want to buy? The first response out of the person that unmuted themselves on that Zoom call goes, well, I don't like the flavors of extra. I like big red and I like cinnamon. I don't care if it lasts 50% longer. I like big red. That it was a perfect example of when you sell on like product offering, literally yeah. just commodity option. You are going to get someone that says, no, I don't value that because we went to product offering, not value. What do we stand for? What does the gum stand for? So if you watch that video that Dave just talked about, it's two minutes. It's actually really kind of moving because like what happens in that video on YouTube by Extra is that they tapped into people's memories. It actually tapped into people, most of people's life journey that it started in high school between two lovebirds and their one thing and by their locker is they share a piece of gum. 
and then they go through some heartbreaks, but then when they you know, come back to talk to each other, it's gum. And then one goes to school and they go to dinner and they have gum after the dinner thing. And then they go to an art show and they see that he used to hand, you know, write out images or, you know, doodles of the two of them and they yeah. kept the wrapper. Every, right. Every major moment in their life, he doodled on the wrapper to kind of to save that moment. Yeah. And what's happening is they're not selling, they don't actually reference extra gum until the very end and they, they show extra or whatever. But basically every milestone in someone's personal life was actually captured in this two minute video. And the underlining thing was at every major moment in their life, they shared a piece of gum. So what it's actually unsublimely doing to the consumer is saying like, if you see value in your first love and you see value in the first breakup and you see the value of going through life experiences and the one thing that they always had a common bond was with the ability to share a piece of gum. So when you're sitting at the checkout line at the supermarket and you hear two different messages, one, you should buy extra because it's 50% last longer. Or you have the memory of like all these life experiences that elicited an emotional reaction because it piece brought of back. Gum is going to change my life. Yeah, and share I a piece of gum. share a piece of gum, share right? A piece of gum is going to change. Exactly. So like it's a two different messages, yeah. but the fifty percent sale is not as lasting in our decision making no. as remembering the recall of all these things that this person because I can identify with my first high school love. I can identify with the breakup. I can identify with hard times in my life and people being there and blah, 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 and the memories and sentimental value. So they tapped into the value of caring about others. Well, now I'm going to see a world of, of, of real estate agents now. Every time they write a contract, hand somebody a piece of gum. And every time they're at the closing table, they hand somebody a piece of gum, right? Well, I'd be joking in, in jest, but here's the... Yes, incredibly moving product placement there in the back end. Extra has always been there for you. When we talk about people in their business, the question is, are you always there for them? Mm-hmm. Right? So I have a, something that has always stood out to me. And these journeys, right, these stories that we tell, but think of every transaction that we do as a relationship-based chapter in our journey. Right. And each one of those becomes another story that I can tell or relate to somebody. And the one that has always stood out the most to me was a post-closing conversation I had with somebody. And they said to me, boy, you know, we're going through Dave withdrawal. Now, you're laughing, but to me, that was one of the nicest, most incredible things that anybody's ever said to me, because in that moment, I realized that I mattered. Mm -hmm. What I did for them above and beyond writing a contract But the journey that we went on together, finding a house, their children were involved. It was a very tough time because the industry was down. And it was, I remember that, that relationship, an intense period of time, eight to 10 weeks. But having followed up with them after closing, what did they remember? Not the closing, but they remembered the relationship that they were left with having worked with me. It's like platitude and repeatable thing that people don't, they don't remember platitude jar yeah on the table. we have all kinds of platitudes that exactly. I, I just want to break platitudes but um every time joe says the word platitude yeah every time i say pl- i'm gonna make platitude a platitude um but i i think that when you think about what people remember is that they don't remember the what they don't remember the the, the money they don't remember the object you know sometimes they don't even remember what exactly happened but they there's a feeling that people remember feelings and like it's the you know, I say this to a lot of real estate agents that I either coaching, recruiting, whatever, as I go, are you really going to be on your deathbed 
being like, I'm so glad I closed a thousand houses in my career. No, you're not going to remember that. You remember the, 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 the family that didn't think they could afford their first home and you got them in. Or it's the person you helped buy their first rental property that ended up affording them to pay free and clear their child's college. It's going to be the memories and the feelings that your operations or execution or business developed um, because of, yeah, you delivered on something, but it was the impact that it had on somebody, the feeling, right? So I think like we're going into business. Let's just be clear though. Not all stories are good and not all stories are impactful. So the one piece to remember, and and I think the book, you know, Kendra Hall does a great job in reading stories that stick is that she makes this one point is that not all stories are applicable and not all stories are great. So when you think about maybe it's broadcasting your mission statement or your vision or your value propositions, you have to think through as the business owner that if I just tell you it, it's not going to have the same effect as if I share an example of it and how it shows up and how it manifests for the people that I'm trying to support. So if you really want to have impact in your sales pitches or your your business narrative or creating memorable experiences is if you can create awesome time applicable stories for the incident that you're in right now that actually are meaningful and they have highs, they have lows, they have humor, they have seriousness, they have, you know, all those things that make a great movie, right? That you're going to get the person's attention. They're going to grasp into it. They're, they're, they're actually going to pull into the story. They're going to be part, they're going to actually be a passenger in the story as opposed to just sitting there and listening. And in that case, you actually differentiate yourself from any other competition because now you're aligning with the customer's values rather than their needs. You're spot on. And there's even another side of that coin too, is that yes, you need to tell your story and there's a skill and development that happens over time. So it doesn't happen overnight. Give yourself the ability to do that. Secondarily, it's, it's others that can tell your story or their story through you. Right. So we think of them as testimonials and that's a written word, but our world has changed. But it's really important to capture Joe's version of his experience with me to have Joe tell that story and building that library up of like, look, I can connect with you and hopefully the authenticity comes through. But here's my story of others through their eyes. Right of getting that documentation in the moment, and that's and I say in the moment, right? So think about it at the closing table. Think about it in the now. If you go back three months, six months later, and be like, "Hey, we're going to record this story now," it's not the same. But get that realness in real time. Mm-hmm. There's your extra gum. Exactly. So to close this out, I think the one thing to take away here is that storytelling is your gateway for differentiating and to actually like resonate and align with your consumers so they know that they, they're a part of your your tribe and know that it's not easy. But if it was easy, everybody would be doing it and you wouldn't have the value differentiating that storytelling can do to align yourself with your consumers more than just servicing a need. So if you're in the business of growing sales, repeatable sales and profitability and impact, the ability to storytell is gonna actually be your value differentiator to stand out from the crowd so that you actually attract your tribe and then you can actually be a service partner for them for life because you're fulfilling the same type of mission and values that both you and your consumer align with. And without further ado, I'll do the mic drop on that one. Thank you all for listening to this uh, episode of Entrepreneurial Impact. Please tune in next week where we drop some new bombs uh, in regards to value add to your business and life. So thanks, Dave. Thank you. Thank you.